Hi everyone, my name is Adam John Aparicio. I'm a coordinator for diversity and outreach services in counseling services, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. My pronouns are he, him, his, and welcome to Mental Health Musings. I'd like to introduce my amazing co-host, Stephanie Z, and she'll give a little bit of an overview of what these podcasts are. Yes, thanks so much, Adam John. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Z. I use she, her, her pronouns. I'm the coordinator of well-being in the Health Network, and I'm the, as Adam John said, the other co-host for Mental Health Musings. So this podcast, we came up with it because we are trying to reach as many folks as possible to muse about mental health, right? And especially in the time of COVID and with what's happening across the country in our community, it's more than ever to be connected. And podcast is just one of the ways that we can stay connected while also still adhering to social distance protocol. So we're excited to kick off this first podcast with you all. And I know we're really excited because I think it's going to be really personal and kind of a nice intro. So I'm going to turn it back to Adam John. He's going to get us started. Thanks, Stephanie. So today's first episode, we've entitled When Self-Care is Not Enough. And so what we'll do today is just have a conversation about in our personal and professional lives when we've recognized when maybe self-care that we are trying to do in our lives just isn't enough for our overall wellness and the different ways in which we as individuals have sought connection and better mental health for ourselves and our communities, but also how does it interact with our roles at CSU and overall as human beings in this experience. I guess I'll start with a question, Stephanie, for you is maybe a little bit about for you, when in your personal life or even professional life, have you felt like self-care just wasn't enough or wasn't getting the job done in terms of you feeling like holistically your mental health was high? Yeah, that's a really good question. It's one I've kind of thought about, you know, now that I'm, I've kind of got a handle on my own mental health and the things I know that work for me, I look back and think, wow, why did it take me so long? But that's the part of it is that it's a journey. And you know, every journey is different and you have to find what works for you. So I think for me, like what really stands out is in college, I know I would always get stressed out, especially around midterms and final exams. And there was kind of always this pattern of me getting super stressed out and kind of having this emotional breakdown, like really long crying session, and then finally like digging deep and then just like getting through the, you know, the finals and then rinse and repeat for every quarter. And I didn't really think much of it. I just thought it was like just normal stress. You know, I think it's something I should have kind of like paid more attention because I was still having flashbacks of like, I would wake up and think that I was late for a final or that I had slept through a final. And I had to actually talk to myself and say, Stephanie, you graduated in 2004. It's 2007 you know, you're not in Los Angeles, you are in Challenge, California, which is, you know, eight plus hours away, you don't have a final. And I feel like that should have been like a first sign. But I just thought, okay, you know, the stress was so intense, like, you know, just giving me flashbacks. But really, I I don't think I was ever really like directed to or kind of just told that self-care wasn't enough until grad school. And there was some personal things that happened that I just didn't know how to deal with. And I was really internalizing it and holding it all in myself. And finally, I reached out to one of my grad professors and I just said, you know, this is what's happening and this happened and I don't know what to do. And I'm really just grappling with like a lot of feelings of guilt and shame and, you know, et cetera. And and she looked at me and, and I'm trying hard not to cry in front of her because I want to have this like professional air about me. And she says, 
have you ever just let yourself go, you know, cry? And I was like, I mean, yes, only when I, it absolutely, you know, pours over. And she's like, I wonder if it's something to do with your cultural background. And I was like, oh, a thousand percent, you know, growing up in a Chinese household, you know, I would cry and my parents, you know, especially my father would say like, you don't need to cry. Like, it's okay, stop crying. Not knowing that, you know, crying is a great release of emotion. And so in conversation with this professor and then another professor, you know, they really was my second grad professor that said, I know you have the tools, Stephanie, to take care of yourself, but it seems like the tools that you were using that you know how to use aren't working anymore. And so now you need to move on to the other tools you have, but you don't know how to use them. And so here are some ways to get the instruction manual. And one of those ways that was suggested to me was to go and seek the counseling services at my my grad school really you know the other professor said this similarly but i just didn't really it, i wasn't receptive to what she had to say but the other professor when she kind of laid it out for me like you have tools but clearly your saw isn't working when you probably need a chainsaw but you need a you know a manual to know how to operate it so you know why don't you go here to get that manual so that was kind of my first experience of just when i realized wow i don't think what i'm doing my self-care it's enough it's helpful but i need more to uplift me right now and help me through this tough time right yeah so it really sounds like you were able to one kind of noticed that something wasn't quite feeling right for you and that perhaps telling somebody that you trusted in your case as a student it was talking to a professor you know and i think for many students that that's what ends up happening they tell a friend or they tell a resident director or a resident assistant somebody who they can kind of like look towards as a mentor or somebody who can be trusted. And I think that's the case for many students. I, I feel like that was how I engaged with kind of like saying, hey, I'm not okay, was talking to a friend or somebody who I trusted. But you know, I didn't go the route that you went necessarily. For me, I think feels a little embarrassing as a therapist to say, but I didn't start seeing a therapist until I actually went to graduate school for the second time. So when I was becoming a counselor. And so part of my ethical role is to seek counseling as a therapist so I can just kind of make sure my mental health is okay. And so that was the first time, well, in my early 30s, actually, when I first started seeing a counselor. But I'm like, how did I survive the whole 20s, the tumultuous 20s? And I really do think for me, it was that concept of a community of care, right? It was the concept of not only reaching out to people I trust in professional roles, but also really relying on my friends and seeking kind of family connection about, hey, what do we do when we are feeling blue, right? As somebody who's uh, identifies as Latino, you know, for me, I often think about, and I tell my students this, you know, what is the wisdom around wellness that you bring from your family, right? So for me, wellness didn't necessarily come from a book. It came from my grandma, right? Like my grandmother, Rosa Aparicio, she passed away a couple of years ago, but I'm like, she taught me the value of levity, the value of humor and laughter. 
And for me, that has for so long been my medicine, has been my connection to emotion, whether it is finding joy or if it's laughing through sometimes some of the hardest things that I've experienced, like, oh my gosh, like I've just gone through this experience and how can I, in laughter, kind of realize this is a messed up situation and I'm, I'm glad I got through it. And so I often think for, and maybe a question for you, Stephanie, is like, what are those moments of wisdom or those bits of wisdom that you've received from your family in your lifetime? Yeah. And as you were saying all that, I was just thinking back to everyone's journey toward their own mental health protocol, I guess. Is, is that the right word? Routine, if you will, is different. And so... I think the fact that, right, it took you into going to grad school to see a counselor because, you know, if you're going to be one, you also need to see one. It makes sense for you because that was your journey. I mean, I was 27. I first started seeing counselor. And even after my professor told me that great analogy about tools and stuff, I still didn't go. And it wasn't until I talked to a few really close friends being really vulnerable and saying, like, I'm not doing well that I learned from them, like some of them were like, yeah, I've seen a counselor too. And it's nice because it's like talking to someone who's going to keep all your secrets. You know, that's just kind of the way they broke it down for me. So I do remember you speaking your grandma. I remember something my grandma said to me. She was telling me about an article she read in a Chinese newspaper. My grandma doesn't speak any English, but she was telling me essentially that like folks who had, you know, I don't want to say it was cancer, but just some kind of internal turmoil that was like illness, right? A lot of it was related to keeping stress in, like keeping their feelings in. And I remember her looking at me and saying, so this is why you need to talk to your mom, right? This is why you need to like let it out and not keep it in. And that really stuck with me. And I, you know, I've shared with my my family. I'm pretty close with them here and there. But I think because growing up, there was such of this like cultural gap between us that I just didn't readily talk to them about how I felt. And so I would say it was like my close community where I was in grad school was like a couple of my really, really close classmates that, you know, you commiserate over grad school with, but also the people that I talked to about what was going on. Um, Increase your endorphins, right? Like Legally Blonde is like exercise gives you endorphins, right? And so, you know, trying to (laughs) just like, do things for me, but also to distract. So I went to, you know, I went to the gym, I swam a lot. And it was kind of, it was nice, because it was sort of like methodical, like every time I took a breath, when I was underwater, I wouldn't really think about it. And then I came out and think, you know, so it was just kind of like a nice way to sort of process, you know, started journaling, just to write out how I was feeling. My fit, I grew up Catholic. So mom would always say like, you know, if you're not feeling great, or sad, you know, you should always go to church. And so so like church, for example, was helpful because it was like on part of a community right and this idea that for me like god doesn't judge like god loves everyone no matter what and so that was helpful but at some point right some of those things don't necessarily work like they're sort of like okay this is good for now but i need something else but so those were some wisdoms i think also one of the biggest ones that really is like something i still practice and something i've been told along the way is learning how to be alone And not as I mean lonely, but learning how to be like comfortable within your own company, which is funny because I know we're talking about community care, but I also do believe like if you're not comfortable with your own company, then I don't think you're going to really benefit from company of others, right? Because you're just not fully there. And so years went on, I started to like 
take solo hikes along my favorite trails along Clayton Beach, for example. This was in Bellingham, Washington. Doing drives with music on. Just things like that. Really trying to like find the company within myself. That was something because it's like I really took a lot from others. But I'm not sure at the time if I was giving a lot, but I also don't think I was giving myself anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And all the musings of Ms. L. Woods could be another podcast. So I love that connection to the lessons from Legally Blonde. Um, But, you know, I think that you bring up a really great point about how we as individuals can become more comfortable with being alone, because I think that's different from loneliness. I think for me over this pandemic and really kind of trying to adhere to social distancing, I have become more comfortable being alone and haven't really felt very lonely. There have been times when I felt that, but I've really been able to get back to the core of my values, gets back to the core of who I am in terms of my wellness. And I think one of the things that you bring up, Stephanie, that feels good for our students to hear and and perhaps staff and faculty is that sometimes we have to pay attention to that inner feeling of like, maybe this is what I used to go to in terms of my coping skills is not working. And when do I reach out to counseling services or when do I do some preventative mental health and wellness care through different resources that we have through the health network. And I'm wondering for the viewers out there, Stephanie, if you can share a couple of our resources that we have through the health network and what you think might be helpful for students and staff maybe to even engage with. We just finished our first mindfulness workshop of the semester and we'll have our second and third one starting. Our second one is starting this Thursday and then our third one will be starting on Monday. Um, and that mindfulness workshop uh, starting on Monday specifically, the space is geared toward our Black, Indigenous students of color. And, you know, I, you hear mindfulness, that term a lot of like, we should be mindful and, you know, all this. And you're just like, what is is that and what I've learned over the time and then actually participating in the mindfulness workshop before facilitating it is it's a dedicated time to really being present um, and so one way to be present is you know you'll you'll hear people say listening to your breath right so but it's like it is focusing on breathing in and out just kind of like what I was talking about the swimming and that right there was an act of mindfulness I didn't know that but it was right of me paying attention for every time I took a breath in and went under and so forth. And in that workshop, you know, it's a really great space of folks who are all there for similar and yet different reasons. And, you know, we're sharing what we want out of it. And we get to practice breathing techniques, stretching, and we talk about concepts like labeling thoughts and getting into negative mind traps and how to accept what's going on. And that doesn't mean like, you know, so obviously, if you're experiencing something offensive, it's not saying like, well, it is what it is, but just sort of like, okay, how do you accept that this is happening? And then what is your next step of action? Like, what will you do in response? And it's, you know, as a participant and now a facilitator, I just find it so beneficial. And I learn a lot from the students who are there because they have really great techniques they end up coming with about like, oh, I'm going to like one, one student shared that in the like part of her morning routine is to like talk to all her plants and then she talks to them and she waters them. And I just love that, you know, and I read somewhere that you should name your plants, 
your name so that when you talk to them, it's kind of like you're talking to yourself, right? So it's like, oh, Stephanie, you're growing so well today, you know, right? It's like, oh, I am. That's one that I would advertise that's pretty short. It's four weeks, an hour and a half each week. And I think being remote has been helpful because students can just tune in, uh, you know, albeit it is another like screen thing that they have to participate in. The other thing for students and staff and faculty is this program we have called Silver Cloud, and it's an online cognitive behavioral therapy program where it has several modules people can choose from. So there's ones on anxiety, depression, body image, social anxiety, sleep. There's several ways to be involved. So for staff and faculty, they would opt in and it's a self-guide. So they would do it on their own at their own pace. Students can also choose that option. They can also choose to get a coach assigned to them. And the coach is sort of a weekly kind of accountability buddy who's just checking in, seeing their progress, asking some questions, you know, asking them to maybe go back and focus on another section or if a student didn't log in, you know, they're still there checking in to say, hey, is everything okay? There's no guilt or blame of like, where you didn't do this. It's just more of like, hey, I'm still here if you need me. And I know that life happens. Silver Cloud is a nice step for folks who maybe are like still unsure about counseling or don't, you know, are intimidated or not ready. And so to have someone that's still going to be there for you, but one, you don't have to see them face to face, and two, you only hear from them once a week, that can kind of be a nice entry point. And then maybe later on, you know, if counseling is something that they're ready for that they think is their next step could take. I also just think visiting the website has so many resources on there. And then there's links that go to other like resources, like the Multicultural Counseling Services page is amazing, right? I think it's, I love that it's just one page for all these different resources. And I know as someone who, like, I hate digging through things to find something. And then talking about like, you know, I, I hear this a lot from folks of like, I want to see a therapist, or I want to join something for people that look like me or share my identity. So it's really hard to dig through. And so this page has everything right there listed. So it's kind of nice to just go to one spot and find everything. So those are the three that I would really recommend. Yeah, to reiterate on the Multicultural Counseling Services website through the Health Network, we recognize that our counselors can't provide every single person with individual or group therapy. And it's nice to have resources that are from therapists who look like the clients that are seeking the services. And so we recognize that we have our multicultural counseling drop-in hours, but we also have resources in terms of YouTube channels from other psychologists or therapists or just wellness influencers. We also have podcasts on there that are related to different identities and just want to make sure that people feel heard and seen. And for us as counseling services to say like, you know, we are not the holders of wellness. You know, I think in, in as we end our podcast today, I really want to reiterate for folks, I want to ask you, like, what is your wisdom that comes from your community, right? What are the ways in which family or friends or just trusted folks in your sphere of support have supported you or taught you concepts of wellness and concepts of mental health that feel that they translate to you or that they feel 
grounded in who you are as a person, um, no matter what your identity is. And so I'd ask folks to really take a deep dive into how you view wellness and what makes sense for you. Definitely, you can seek our services by looking at the Health Network website. Um, and, you know, Stephanie just highlighted a couple of great resources on there. Um, I'd, I'd also plug you at CSU that has a lot of educational videos and articles that are curated for CSU and talk about community of wellness where it talks about coping strategies or um, grounding techniques that can help you outside of the therapy room. Any kind of last uh, musings that you have, Stephanie? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about this whole like concept of like us on our own journey and finding what's right for us and us sharing our personal stories of how we came to be and what were, you know, clearly very different of like what worked for us. And I think about, you know, what you said, just a really cosine of a like deep dive, but like think about your personality, what motivates you, what gives you joy, your inspiration. So my personality, for those of you that know strengths, like positivity is kind of in my top five. I have a lot of relational strengths. Um, so like connectedness, I really believe in a greater, I don't say purpose, but like we're all connected in some way. And I just get very motivated by like stories. So like Humans of New York on Instagram, I love that page. I probably cry at every story, but I just find such... I don't know. It's just very fulfilling for me and very inspirational. And so I know like during um, some time, dark times, I just went on social media because right, that's one way I would kind of numb out or lose myself. And I started to follow self-care, like the tag hashtag self-care or motivational quotes or Instagram influencers that talked openly about um, self-care or having a difficult time and really just like saving my favorite quotes. And I would, you know, post that on like my background on my phone or repost it. And I was doing that for me, you know, like I was just reposting it. So it would like kind of like reaffirm in my head. But I had lots of my friends that, you know, follow my page were like, thanks for posting all of these. These are really inspirational. It's really helped me. And I was like, oh, you're welcome. You know, like no shade, but like I wasn't doing it for really like anyone else. I was just sharing it for myself. But um, also whoever read it, you know, if it really helped you too, that's awesome. And so not realizing that like what I was doing for myself was helping others. And we talk about gratitude and how that can help you, right? Like when you're in kind of like a funk or low mood, but like doing something nice for someone, how that can really boost you. And so that was just a way of doing it. So that works for me, right? Those things help me. I also know that's not for everybody, right? Because motivational quotes can kind of toe the line of, you know, I think, toxic positivity right of like the silver line of like everything's gonna get better and maybe it's it will but it might take a while you know I think again just really emphasizing of like what drives you what are your things that motivate you some people are motivated by competition are you keeping track of like how many days you journal like I, you know I don't know like that that could be a, a you know a thing that motivates you at a a accountability buddy again so for me connection friends relationship and every day for like gosh three and a half months we would text or call and share each other three good things that happened to us that day and they could be the most basic thing like I washed my hair you know but it was the point was to find three good things so that that's how we kind of ended our day or that's sort of the way we sort of just sort of had our mindset so I wanted to really emphasize 
that it doesn't like we have all these tools and that can be really overwhelming because you're like, there's so many things, but I think it's all about like finding which one works for you. Right. Like when you go out and get a pair of shoes or maybe whatever, like outfit or something, you don't necessarily buy the first thing you see. You want to try it on and see if it fits. Like I do the bend test. Like when I put pants on, I'm like, all right, I'm about to bend. Will these like stretch, you know, that kind of thing. And if they don't, then I take them off and get a new pair. So it's the same thing, right? Like try out the tools and if it doesn't work, you don't have to use that one. You can try something else. I'm, you know, getting bend and snap vibes from Legally Blonde. So I think that's a wonderful point to end on today. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing some of your mental health musings. And we really look forward to making more of these podcasts for you all. Again, thanks, Stephanie, for a wonderful time. And um, I hope you have a really great week. And I hope you all out there have a great week as well. Take care. Yes. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye.